0: I know you had a good lunch, amen? Amen. And uh, good to see everybody here today. And I know that you're praying for the family that's uh, had a loss in their family having a funeral today. And uh, I know your heart's within as well. I saw a brother come in, a uh, law enforcement uh, brother, and uh, years ago I was living in a little place called Mansfield, Texas. Anybody know where that is? Just south of Arlington. And, and uh, there was a senior adult man in our town, He was stopped by a rookie police officer, and uh, he knew the young man was just on the job just a few days into his new career. And so the young police officer said, let me see your driver's license when he pulled him over. He said, I don't have one. He said, let me see your registration and your insurance. He said, I don't have that either. He said, open up your glove box. He said, I can't. I've got three loaded pistols in there. <laughs> he said, step out, open your trunk. He said, I can't do that. There's a dead body. <laughs> and so uh, he got real nervous. The police, young police officer got nervous, called his sergeant. The sergeant came out, said, let me see your license. The man handed him his license. He let me see your registration and insurance. He opened up the glove box, got them out, no guns. He said, step out and open your trunk. He did, no dead body. The sergeant said, now wait a minute, he said, my rookie police officer here said, you didn't have a license, no registration, no insurance, you had three loaded pistols in your glove box and a dead body in your trunk. And the senior adult man said, yeah, and I bet he said I was speeding too. <laughs> 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 That's being quick on your <laughs> Well, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew 28, and uh, I want to talk to you, I want to show you something, this isn't earth-shattering news. But it, it, it may be interesting to you if you've never thought about it in this, in this life. You know, we think about the Great Commission, uh, we think about uh, Matthew 28, uh, 18, 19, and 20, uh, when the Bible says, Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And we think of that as, as the Great Commission, and it is. And the Lord gives us command to go into all the world. Now, I, I want to say some things that I hope you'll take this afternoon. and You'll chew on them. You'll think about them. You'll pray over them. Uh, one guy that mentored me uh, kind of from a distance, even though I got to spend some time with him, was a guy named Ron Dunn. Ron Dunn was a great, one of the greatest Bible teachers that we've ever seen in, in the country, and uh, perhaps the world. And Ron Dunn always made this statement. He said, one of the problems we have when we we read the Bible is we don't think about what we're reading. We just read it and we say, well, I did my Bible reading today. We don't think about the who, the what, the why, the how, the where, what's going on in the story and the narrative of what we're reading. And and so uh, I want to get you to thinking about some things. I've heard people say this many, many times in my years of ministry. They say, uh, you know, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You know, they look at me and say, you know, you you have the gift of evangelism. Well, I want to just say something to you here. There's no such thing as a gift of evangelism. There is the gift of the evangelist. In Ephesians 4 and verse 11, the Bible says they gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, Now, we don't have apostles today like we did in the Bible days. Uh, We do, in the sense, of the apostolic work and going into new pioneer areas and planting churches and doing new work and plowing new ground, if you will. But there are only 12 apostles, as we know. And then we don't have prophets, as we had in the Old Testament, that foretold the future. Now, people today have the gift of, of the prophet, in the sense that they foretell the Word of God. Uh, and we see that as a gift in the Bible in Romans and 1 Corinthians. Uh, but then we have the evangelist. Now that's where I come in. I, I'm, 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 an evangelist. God's gifted me this way, called me this way. And so the evangelist is a gift to the local church for the equipping of the saints and building up the body, just like the pastor. Now the pastor uh, shepherds the flock. He's primarily in one location. The evangelist is itinerant. Uh, And then we have the teacher, which the pastor-teacher may be one and the same. So what I'm saying to you is this. All of us are commanded to do the work of of an evangelist. remember what Paul said to young Timothy? Even though Timothy was a pastor, he said, fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. And so what I'm telling you is this. None of us are off the hook. Amen? All of us have a responsibility to share our faith. Now I want to just get you to thinking about this. You know, we we have uh, see that we had remember years ago we had CWT and EE evangelism explosion and now we've recently had Faith and Grow and all these different programs and I listen I'm all for all, I'm for all of them. Anything that motivates and equips people to go share their faith I'm for it. But I think some people get afraid of all that and they use that as an excuse. Well, I can't memorize those points or I get confused, I may say it backwards, and and so let's just be honest. We use that as an excuse while we while we don't witness. When in reality, let me tell you what sharing your faith is all. It's just telling your story. It's just talking about really three things, your life before Jesus, the the circumstances or how you came to Jesus, and then your life after Jesus. My testimony is very simple. I grew up in church, made a profession of faith as a kid. Uh, my teenage years, you know, just kind of went to church. Didn't mean anything to me, but you know, everybody went to church on Sunday. But I had a real encounter with the Lord uh, through some people ministering to me as a high school football player, and then God radically changed my life and and then called me to preach. I mean, you could tell your story, and you need to write it out. You need to write down your testimony. Now, some people say, "Well, Bill, I don't have a testimony because I've never killed anybody, never been in jail, never been addicted to drugs, never sold." A, you know drugs, so I don't have a testimony. Anybody that's been saved by the grace of God has a testimony. Amen. It takes just as much grace for God to save an 8-year-old boy as it does somebody on death row. Can I hear an amen? Right there? amen. Uh, my boys, you know, they did some things I'm sure I have no idea, you know, what they did, and to be honest with you, I don't want to know. Amen. <laughs> and that, they're grown men, and they're married, got kids, I don't want to know. But I know they did some things, you know, experimenting with some things and all that. But they were good kids. I, I really, really had no major problem with my boys in their teenage years. Uh, they had their teenage uh, moments, uh, but uh, but they were good kids. Uh, somebody asked me. They called me one Saturday night and they said, "What are your boys doing tonight?" I said, "They're out getting drunk, doing drugs, uh, you know, being immoral, trying to build a testimony." Now I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But that's how we think. Come on, let's be honest. That's how we yeah. think. But all of us have a testimony. Yeah. Let me give you an illustration. I, I was in, uh, I was in Arkansas in the Little Rock area, and this man asked me, he said, but "Can you come to my house at two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon?" I said, "Sure." So I went down to his house. And he was a very wealthy man. He took me out in this uh, metal building. Man, I've never seen so many boats, four wheelers, RVs. I mean, anything, any toy a grown man would want, this guy mm-hmm. had. I'm talking about the best, the most expensive, the brightest, the shiniest. We went to mm-hmm. his house. We drank coffee, and he, he, he said, here's why I want you to come by. I want you to see all this stuff. All right. He said, I, I, got, I got a lot of money. I made a lot of money. I got a lot of stuff. And he pointed down to the direction of the church building. He said, I served in every capacity. That church can offer except being the pastor. I've been deacon, chairman. I've been Sunday so school director, the whole deal. And then he said this, just very matter of fact, but I I, I don't have a relate. I'm not saved. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so take a long time to tell the whole story. That man, and just a little while after that, he was born again right there in his living room, and came that night to the church and stood before the church and told his story. <laughs> Everybody knew this guy. And it kind of shocked him. You know, the guy didn't know the Lord. But man, it was a powerful testimony. This guy grew up in church, he had served in church, but he'd been playing a game. and man, it spoke to people and he he was able to uh, use that testimony to see people come to the Lord. Now I, here's here's what I want to do just in a few moments, okay the The, the great commission, and somebody uh, said it's become the great omission. The Great Commission really is, is given to us five times in the Bible. Do you know that? Five times in the Bible. Now, I want you to just make a mental note of this, because I know you didn't come prepared to take notes. In Matthew 28, we just read it. What did Jesus say? He said, go into all the world. He said, preach the gospel to them, share the gospel with them. And what did he say? What's the last thing he said? And I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Now, you know what that tells me? That tells me when I go out and share my story, I'm not going by myself. The Lord's going with me. Amen? Amen? This old uh, guy back in the western days, he, he was a, a, a circuit riding preacher. He came to this western town. The only hotel room was uh, on the second floor above the saloon. So he got him a room, went up there to freshen up. Uh, he was going to preach in town the next day. Well, as he walked through the saloon to go up to his room, some of the guys started uh, challenging him. said, Preacher, you, if you're really a man of God, you'll come out here and preach to all those guys in the saloon. Well, he went up to his room, and he stayed and stayed, and uh, finally they sent a little girl up there to knock on the door to ask him if he was coming back. And so when she got up there, she heard him praying. He was on his knees in his room, saying, Lord, I'll go, but I'm not going by myself. I'll go, but I'm not going by myself. Well, she went back downstairs, and one of the men said, Is the preacher coming? And uh, she said, Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not coming alone." <laughs> and you know what? When we go out and share the gospel, we're, not, we're going in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Yeah. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, which is a very controversial chapter in the Bible because it talks about handling snakes and drinking poison. Uh, and, uh, and I won't be honest with you, you got to handle snakes to go to heaven, I'm going to hell. Amen? I just don't <laughs> like snakes. Uh, you know, there's four kinds of snakes I don't like, big ones, little ones, dead ones, and loud ones. I don't like snakes. Somebody said don't kill a king snake, I'm not going to look at it long enough to figure out what it is. That's a dead sucker. But. Uh, uh, but the Bible's not saying go out and drink poison and go out and handle snakes to prove you're a Christian. But if you get in those situations, here's what God is saying. I'm going to protect you. Mm-hmm. Not only in Matthew 28 does he say, I'm going to give you my presence. and Mark 16, starting about verse 15, at the end of the chapter, he said, I'm going to give you my protection. How many of you know that God's protected you many times you weren't even aware of? You weren't even aware of. Mm-hmm. Much less the times you were aware of, but weren't even aware of. It. Uh, listen, I, I've, uh, I don't talk about this a whole lot because people get the wrong idea, you know, when you talk about it. But listen, uh, we've been stoned. We, we've, been, we've been chased by rebels. Uh, we've been threatened by Muslims uh, all over the world where I preached. And, and I will to tell you something. Uh, God's protected us. I mean, I wouldn't be here today. God has not had his divine protection on my life. I, I remember one time, I had a buddy one time. He was 13th in the world in martial arts. He was a bad dude. And he told me one day, he said, Bill, I want to go with you somewhere around the world, and I want to just kind of go, I don't have to preach or anything, I just want to be, I want to be your bodyguard, just, you know, be there to help you if you get in trouble. I said, man, great, I'd love for you to go. So he went me, with went, went me one year to the Philippines. We went out down to Mindanao, which is a rough, rough uh, big island there, uh, one of the southern, uh, biggest southern islands. And uh, the Muslims have just about taken over down there. Well, we went to this one city, and the first thing they did, they threw firecrackers over the wall in this little basketball court, had a wall about uh, seven or eight feet high to intimidate us. Then they started shooting guns, their big old rifles up in there to intimidate us. So I was looking for my bodyguard. Well, he was under a table in the fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> so. I said, man, I thought you came over protecting. He said, man, you can't come through a bullet. But God protects us. Can I hear an amen right there? Yeah. And then we get to the book of Luke, chapter 24. He even tells us what to say. In verse 47, I believe it is, he says, and preach forgiveness and remission of sin. We don't even have to come up with what to say. <laughs> we don't have to go knock on the door and say, man, what am I going to say? We know what to say. We've got the message of, of the cross, of of Jesus dying for us. The people can be forgiven. They can be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So God gives us the promise of his presence, the promise of his protection, and the promise of his program. We go out and do what he has already told us to do. He's given us the script, so to speak. Now we use it and we cloak it and we we frame it with our story and what God's done in our life. But the basic message is the same, that we're all sinners, that Jesus died for us, rose again, his blood can cleanse us of our sin, that we must be willing to repent and by faith come to him. Is that right or not? Amen? Amen. Then in John chapter 20, uh, the Bible says that God will give us his peace. The Bible says, the peace that I have, I give to you. That's what Jesus told the disciples, the peace that I have, I give to you. So God gives us his peace. You know, I've been in some pretty tense situations, but had the peace of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really experience that until you need it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Uh, you know, we worry about dying, but you know, you don't. God will give you dying grace when it's time to die. Amen. Mm-hmm. If, if you get in some uh, form of persecution, God will give you grace to go through that persecution. I had a buddy; he was on an airplane, and uh, they thought they were going to crash. And, He said, man, he was frantic, man, his hands were all sweaty, he was, was, you know, he he, he said, man, he he couldn't even hardly remember how to pray. And and when the plane landed safely, he said he felt really bad about that. He felt like he didn't have any faith and and that he had let God down because he wasn't trusting God in that moment of crisis. And uh, so he went to talk to uh, this man of God that we knew about it, and he said, son, don't worry about it. He said, it wasn't your time to die. If it had been your time to die, God would have given you the grace he will have given you the peace to go through it. And you know, when you get in a situation and people are hostile or, or you get nervous and, you don't, and they, maybe somebody asks you a question that kind of throws you off guard, hey, let me tell you something from experience. God will give you the peace. Of, uh, uh, he'll give you his peace, and he'll give you the words to say and exactly what to do in that hour. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that good? Amen? Yes. We don't go by ourselves. We go under the protection of the Lord. He gives us what to say. He gives us the peace of God. And then we all know that verse in Acts 1-8, you know, that we'll be his witnesses. Uh, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. God gives us his power. In Acts 1-8, the Bible says he'll give us the power of the Holy Spirit. And so not only do we go and he's with us, and not only does he protect us, and not only does he tell us what to say and give us his program, and not only does he give us his peace, he gives us the power in which to do it. Uh, have you ever seen some of our uh, uh, ambassadors from the United States to these other countries? You ever seen them, especially in years gone by? Some of them they weigh a hundred pounds of the rock in their pocket. Little old guys, little old dried up guys, and they stand up in front of a president of another country and say, "If you don't do what we say, we're gonna blow y'all off the face of the uh, of the world." Of the map. Well, what, what? Here's a little old dried up skinny dude. What's what's a, What authority does he have? He's got all the authority of the United States behind him. He's not there representing himself. He's there representing the United States of America. And when we go and knock on a door, or we sit down with somebody at the cafe and give them a gospel track and talk to them about Jesus, or we're standing over the fence talking to our friend, and, and, and we have this opportunity to share the gospel, let me tell you something. We don't go in our own power. We don't go representing ourselves. We go representing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords and all the authority of heaven is behind amen. us, amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. And so we don't have to be afraid. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God's not giving us a spirit of timidity.
1: We don't have to we don't have
0: to shuffle our feet, look at the ground, and be afraid. We can go in the very boldness of the Holy Spirit Himself, knowing that all the authority amen. of heaven is behind us. Amen? Amen? Uh, I don't know if i told this story or not, uh, I'm getting older, I, I guess I'm forgetting. You know, I, be, I go so many places and tell so many illustrations of what's happened in our ministry, I forget sometimes where I say it, but uh, I've seen God take some people that uh, you would never think would be a bold witness for Jesus, and God use them in a, in, a, in a powerful way. I've got a buddy named Billy, Billy's probably about uh, 73 or 4 now, uh, Billy's always been very thin. Uh, he's always had a kind of a soft-spoken voice. But I've never seen anybody in my life that's as bold and sure in sharing the gospel as that guy is. Why? Because he's got this uh, charismatic, uh, outgoing personality? No, not at all. Because he, he, he looks like a movie star? No, not at all. Because he knows his authority and his confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got a message that can literally change the world. Amen? Change the world. Let me tell you what recently happened. Uh, in Uganda, the president of Uganda just recently got on national television and renounced uh, witchcraft, renounced ancestral worship, repented of the corruption that he'd been a part of in the, in the nation as the president. And he said, I, "I want you to know that I've repented of my sin and, and I've invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life." Amen. That's the president of Uganda. Mm. You know what? He didn't say he, he didn't say that because it was going to get him votes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, would the God our president get on TV and say something like that? Amen. Amen. It, it didn't get him votes. Uh, I was in Burundi a little t- a little country right next to Rwanda. Uh, and you know all the genocide that's gone on there, if you've ever seen the movie Hotel R- uh, Rwanda. Uh, but uh, you've read the history of it. But I was in Burundi. The, the man that's the president there now has been born again. He invited my wife and I to come to their White House. We had a two-hour worship service, and uh, he, he we had a beautiful meal together. He invited me to preach the gospel to his cabinet. I'm telling you, the gospel can change nations, amen, can change nations, but it has to start somewhere, and it might as well start right here in our own hearts, as we get a burden for those right around us, amen? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you this one story, I'm done. In East Texas, over around Marshall, uh, Texas, there was a teenage boy, uh, he had become a Christian over the summer, and uh, his teacher... Uh, the first day of school said so we're going to do this little ice breaking uh, uh, thing to kind of get to know each other so he said she said we're going to start right here with this student go all the way down uh, then we'll come back up go all the way down the road and here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up I want you to tell us your name and your favorite song. Just tell us your favorite song. Well it got closer to him and the Holy Spirit began to do it and uh, the Holy Spirit said I want you to sing your favorite song which was a very unusual uh, His favorite song was very unusual for a teenager. It was was an old hymn. And uh, so uh, the closer it got to him more. His hands got sweaty. Man, he got a big old lump in his throat. Man, his heart was beating 90 miles an hour. He thought, man, my friends going to think I'll hit my head on a rock over the summer. They're going to laugh at me. And so it got to him, and he obeyed the Lord. He stood up, and he he said, my name's so-and-so. And and he started singing that hymn. And he said, instead of hearing laughs, he started hearing his uh, classmates begin to cry. Some of his friends started getting on their knees and and praying. Make a long story short, uh, revival broke out on that campus first day of school, and many of those students came to know the Lord. There's power. It's not in. It's not in. It's not in how we say it. It's not in our person. The power is in the gospel. Amen. Yes. That's what Paul said. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. So let me encourage you. Uh, to, Meditate on these things. Read those chapters. Matthew 28, uh, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, Acts 1. Read those chapters. Get a hold of that. Let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Put that in your heart. Make it a part of your DNA. Get out there and tell somebody about the Lord. And you know what I've discovered? Once you lead somebody to the Lord, man, I'm telling you, it's like being on drugs. Man, you will want to tell everybody. Hey, Amen. You will want to tell everybody. Uh, about Jesus so uh, let's pray and then uh, uh, brother you got anything you need to share with us uh, just a few reminders okay uh, let's be sure to be praying for the service tonight at 7 uh, had a wonderful Monday night crowd last night a lot of guests and so let's be back tonight bring our friends and be praying that the Lord will uh, move let's bring some someone that needs to know the Lord that uh, they can come to, to know the Lord and be saved tonight Father, thank you, Lord, for... uh